Well, everybody ready for some word? Thank you, Lord. If you brought your Bible with you, uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Or your iPhone, you know, smartphone, some kind of device that has a Bible on it. Whatever you can use will work. going to say I use the one that Jesus and Paul used, but that would probably be more scrollish. First Peter chapter 2. Now, one of the hallmarks of the believer's life is that what matters to God matters to us. All right, just because it matters to him, it then matters to us. If he says something is important, we agree with him, right? The moment we see it, the moment we gain understanding, priorities in our life changes right then, all right? If you're a believer, that's the way you think. That's the way you function. That's the way you operate. And so, uh, you know, the Lord knows he can move us in a direction or shift our thinking and our way of living in any direction simply by revealing truth to us. And so, thank, thank God. Thank God he does. And he'll uh, reveal things to us through various sources and means, but he's endeavoring to get his way of thinking into our mentality so then we will immediately prioritize what God says is important. Sometimes we have to double-check to make sure that we are not making decisions based upon tradition, based upon, uh, uh, you know, just religious tradition or selfish ambition or, uh, you know, past hurts or anything, anything that lacks heavenly revelation. We must get back to this. Is this the will of God? What does he think about it? What has he already said about it? What has he revealed to me? What do I know? And then that, again, that guides our decisions. I want to know and practice the ways of God. And if you're a Christian, that's the way you think. I want to know him and I want to, I want to live like that. I want to practice the ways of God. Now, sometimes it's good for us to approach a subject that we may have heard before. We may know something about, but do so from a, a clean slate. Do Approach it as if we, do, we don't have our Ph.D. in the subject already. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I've heard a thousand sermons on that, and I've already read these scriptures, and I've doing this. Sometimes when you approach things fresh, you learn something. You get further revelation. You find that there is greater understanding available. And sometimes, you know, we can separate what really wasn't of God and, and what is of God, what was, you know, kind of mingled in with the culture around us or just our way of growing up, and we can say, no, I see, yep, that's God, and this other way that I thought about this or have done this, that's not the Lord. And, and so that can be very helpful. Uh, let's begin here and, and, and read this verse, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, 2, verse 5. It reads, you also... That's talking about us believers. As living stones, do you know you're a living stone? Not a rolling stone, a, a living stone, <laughs> are being built up 
a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so God is working in us now corporately. How many know there is a work of the Spirit that's individual? There is also a work of the Spirit that's corporate. Some say, I just love to worship the Lord by myself. I do too. But that's not the only way that God moves. It's not the only thing He's doing. Not the only way He wants to work. He wants to work in your life uh, individually, by yourself, personally. He also wants to work in us. He wants to build you up. He wants to build us up. There is a corporate move of the Spirit. There's a work of God. Uh, you know, a spiritual house is a, a habitation of, of the Spirit of God. He lives in us individually as believers. He also lives in us corporately as His body. Okay? Now, we are called here a holy priesthood. Okay? We're a holy priesthood. Priests are ones that would offer up. They would offer things up to God. Now, I should say this while we're talking. We recognize that we are living in a day where the New Testament or the right side of your Bible is more relevant to us than the Old Testament or the left side. Okay? Well, we're thankful for all of it, but we live in, as the Scripture says, a better covenant established upon better promises. I would be among the first to recommend individuals that they read the Bible daily, but they do most of their reading in the New Testament as opposed to the Old. I said most. I didn't say all, but I did say most because that's where we live. We are after the cross, not looking forward to the Messiah coming. He's already come. We've already been set free. We've already been delivered and healed and forgiven and thank God for all of the blessings of the new covenant. However, having said that, when you read verses like this and many others, you recognize that if you're not aware of the existence of many Old Testament Bible passages, you don't know what they're talking about. Everybody with me? Many of these scriptures were written to people who had been uh, taught already uh, the Old Covenant, the Pentateuch, the Law, the, all, these, all these things. And so when the prophets of old spoke, they were often quoted in the New Testament, and people knew what, they were, what it meant. And they were able to see this is what the priests of the Old Covenant did, and how does that... Uh, play out in my life, and how does that manifest in Jesus, and so forth. And so if we have no knowledge of what, uh, what used to be, we sometimes don't relate to verses like this and others that reference them, okay? So when he says, you're a holy priesthood, a lot of people think, a priesthood? What is a priesthood? You know, what, what, what is that? What, 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 what does that mean? I, I'm a priest. And then if you grew up with certain uh, religious experiences, you think about the guys who wear the collars backward and stuff. And is that what we are? We're all that? And no, that's not what that means. Uh, but one of, the, one of the primary jobs, if you will, of the priests of the old covenant is that they were in charge of of offering things up to God. 
They had all kinds of different offerings and sacrifices that they were making on behalf of the people. And so they were in charge of bringing things before the Lord, offering things up. I mean, individuals did that, but the priests then worked as the mediators there, and they would offer things up to God. And so uh, when, when we are called a holy priesthood, we can see that, of course, in the New Covenant, we are all called kings and priests before our God. You don't need a mediator other than Jesus. We go straight to Him, right? We have direct access, but we are all called, every person who's saved. You you know, just like uh, the Scriptures um, call all believers saints. You know that all Christians are saints in, 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 uh, in, in accordance with the Word of God. All right, not because you've accomplished certain things or not because you've died. And no, 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 no. When you get born again, you are a saint or you are set apart to God, set apart from the world, separated unto God. That's what what, what we are. Also, then we are priests before God. How, How is that? We are, one of the things we do is we offer things to Him. Everybody okay? All right. We are to offer things up to the Lord. Now, this scripture says we are being built up in order to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. For this purpose, we're being built up so that we can bring things before God. We can offer things to Him. Now, that's not talking about Old Testament. We get a picture of it. We get an understanding of that. But we also then come on into the New Covenant, and we see this is why God is building us up so we can do that, all right? Also, what, it, what what's, stands out to me strongly is the word here, acceptable. He said that we are built up, a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God. Well, the very existence of that word acceptable That would show us that it's possible for something to be given to God that is unacceptable. All right? If something could be offered up to God and it is unacceptable to Him, of course, I want to get that straight. Why? Because I belong to Him. I believe in Him. He's my Lord and Master. I want to get that right. I want to get that straight. I want, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it in the way that is pleasing to Him. A way that He puts a smile on His face. And if I offer something up to Him, He likes it. Okay, so there is an acceptable offering, which again implies there will be, there can be an unacceptable offering to the Lord. Now, we do it all, according to this verse, through Jesus Christ. Okay, and how many know in the New Testament, we still do many of the things that are listed and stated in the Old Testament. We just do it from an entirely different perspective. Okay, we do it because we're already set free. And I'm obviously, we're not talking about sacrifices here for sin because Jesus was the sacrifice for sin. We're, we're not trying to cover any bad thing by giving an offering. I'm going to offer this up to the Lord because I really blew it this week. Huh? And there's a lot of that religion in the world today. Okay, But that's not accurate. That wouldn't be correct. But we still are offering things up to the Lord, and we do it in Jesus. I mean, it's kind of like if you, read, if you read about worship in the Old Testament. How many know some of it doesn't directly apply? Because you're not going to worship the Lord with a, by, by killing a bull or a calf. But how many know you can also, but we are going to worship the Lord by singing. 
We are going to worship the Lord uh, in, in some of the physical demonstrative ways, just like they did under the Old Covenant. We just do it in Christ. We do it in the Spirit. We do it on a whole nother level, on a whole, you know, I'm not going to dance as David danced. Some people like to sing those songs and stuff. Why? I'm in a different covenant. If I dance, it's going to have the Holy Spirit all over it. Huh? It's, going to be, it's just coming from an entirely different place. But it might look the same to someone observing, just like someone might do good works. All right? They might do a good thing and serve the Lord with their actions. Well, it might look the same, but one person is doing it, at a, doing it from a position of trying to be a come accepted by God, trying to please Him. Another, another person is doing it because they are accepted by God in Christ. And they're saying, I just want to honor and serve the Lord, and, and He has washed me clean and made me new. Everybody with me today? See, the, see, the internal aspect of this is huge. It really changes everything. It makes a big difference to God. Accepted or unaccepted, a lot of that has to do with internal. It has to do with motive. It has to do with revelation. When you see it, you're able to do it. If you don't see it, it won't be accepted. Hallelujah. Now, uh, I want to also draw this point from this verse. It says we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Uh, spiritual sacrifices. How many know when, when something is declared to be spiritual, that is not implying that it has no physical outworking or manifestation? Okay, in the kingdom of God, spiritual is a reality, but spiritual is, is designed to manifest in physical. All right, I, I, if you, you have a spiritual relationship with God, I have a spir- spiritual relationship with God. If that can't be seen in any tangible outward way, it's not really there. Okay, when something is truly present, it is spiritual and it manifests outwardly in, in, the, na- in the natural world. We could talk about this in many areas, but uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Well, when someone gets a revelation of their spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, what happens? Those blessings manifest physically. Those blessings manifest in their body, in their mind, and in their finances, and their relationships, and in, 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 in all areas of life. Okay? And so, when we offer spiritual sacrifices, that's not just, I'm completely still. What are you doing? Well, this is a spiritual sacrifice I'm giving to God right now, so you can't see it. Well, you must be extremely spiritual, because I can't see a thing. It looks like you're doing nothing. (laughs) And that's not to diminish the value of meditating on the Word and and, and communicating with God in your heart. But you understand what I'm saying? There is a manifestation of spiritual things in the physical and natural world. Now, I want to go to... Uh, Genesis chapter 4 today, because in, in looking at offering up spiritual sacrifices to God, I like to go to the very first one I can find. And today, uh, this is a new series, by the way, all right? New series. I'm calling it Give It to God. It's a new series, and I'm talking about offerings spiritual sacrifices, what they mean to God, and what they ought to mean to us. All right? We want to get on the same, same page here. So we think about this stuff the exact same way that God thinks about it. 
Not any less, not any more, not, not infused with, with religious tradition or, or any kind of thing from our past. I just want to think about this like God does because he'll be happy with that. Genesis chapter 4, uh, I want to begin reading here in verse 1. It reads, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I like that language, from the Lord. He acquired, they acquired a man from whom? From the Lord. That goes back to we should recognize every good thing that comes into our life and give him the credit. Give him the glory. Give him the thanks and say, this is from the Lord. Not just make it all natural. Well, seed time and harvest, you know, they made a man child. <laughs> well, it was the Lord that made that available. It was the Lord that, 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 that made that possible. It was the Lord that initiated this. And they, they acknowledged right away, this was from the Lord. Uh, verse 2, then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Are any one of those occupations better than the other? The farmer or the, the, the herdsman, the shepherd? No, they're just doing different things. Not one is not necessarily better than the other. If you were to rewrite this story today, one might say, I, you know, I work on microchips or something, and another, another person's in construction, and you know, all different kinds of things. That there's no point here being made about that. But verse 3 reads, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the, fir- of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Cain and his offering, but he did, uh, excuse me, Abel, Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And I'll stop right there for a moment. Do you see the potential? This is the very first record we have of an offering, okay? And the Lord accepted one and he didn't accept the other. How many know we should be mindful again? Let's come back to this. Is the Lord pleased with what I'm doing? Is the Lord accepting of what I'm giving him? Or are we just naturally minded? Okay, well, we'll come back to that in a little bit. But you can see that one offering was not accepted by God. Not accepted. He was not happy with it. He didn't like it. Yet it was given to him, but no deal. And Cain, uh, uh, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with, his, with Abel, his brother, And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So we have a lot of firsts here, don't we? (laughs) A lot lot of things going on. But it seems whenever you begin to talk about offerings, some people get very angry. What is up with that? The first murder, the very first murder... 
was over an offering. Your offering is better than my offering, and I'm not happy about that. And he killed his brother over an offering. And today, thousands of years later, people still get all up in, up in arms over money that's given to God. Over money that's, that's used for the kingdom of God. Why is this? Why does it strike such a chord with people? What? Sure got quiet in here. <laughs> why, why are some uh, ministers, why are some who stand, stand do what I do afraid to talk about it? Why are some so hesitant to even broach the subject? There's something about this that is so very powerful, it is so very godly, and yet there is so much oftentimes opposition to the whole subject that we almost we, we want to, we're embarrassed to talk about it, want to hide it, want to keep it secret. And I think that we should seek to know what, what God thinks about the subject. Um, how, how does he view what I do or what I don't do? That's what should matter, not, not, not how, how someone else thinks about it. What does God think about what I'm doing or not doing? Now consider this. Where did the idea come from? Where did the idea of Cain and Abel bringing an offering to God, where did that even come from? I mean, there were no churches right there was no law there were no command there were no commandments to do it so they weren't following some requirements something that that you know god gave them some commandments and said you have to do this so wh wh where did it come from i submit that it was god's idea even though we don't have a record of God telling them, where else did they come up with this idea that I've got these animals, I've got this crop, I, I, I should take some of this and bring it to God? Where, they weren't being manipulated by, manipulated by anyone else. There were no building funds. But they were compelled to bring an offering to the Lord. Again, I go back to this. I believe it was God's idea that offering things up sacrifices giving something that you possess to the Lord is God's plan. It always has been. I mean, I can, I can see a little bit of this in the Garden of Eden. It doesn't call it this, but how many know God is the one who put the tree there and said, eat all of them, but don't touch that one, right? I mean, God did that. In other words, something is in your control Something is under your power. You have the ability to do whatever you want with it. But I'm telling you, I would like you to not do this with this one. I want this one reserved. You leave that one alone. I mean, who, who did that? God did that. So I can kind of see the, uh, the picture. And, and how many know uh, there was no sin in the garden? I mean, until it happened. So it was not, we're not talking about sin offerings. That's Jesus for us. For Cain and Abel, there's no mention at all that, well, you need to bring an offering here to cover your or pay for the sins you have committed. Well, you'd have to read that into there. 
okay? Because that whole sacrificial system of the law was not in play yet. And again, coming over into the new covenant, we're, never, we're not bringing offerings for sin, are we? There was one sacrifice for sin, and that's Jesus. So anything we offer up as the holy priesthood, acceptable to God, has nothing to do with, I've been a bad boy, and so I better bring an offering to the Lord. No, no, you need to believe in the finished work of the cross in Jesus. So that's not the deal. So set aside sin, set aside the payment of sin, set aside the obligation or the influence of another person, an individual who has, a, has communication with God. And as you read here, you can see that even after the fall, there was still dialogue between God's creation and him. They were hearing God's voice. And so somewhere in there, they got from the Father, they got from God this idea of offering things to him. Some of what they possessed what they had control of, that it was the right thing to give it to God. Hallelujah. And so, um, this is interesting t- to me when I think about how, how God still wants to use a portion of what we have for His own use. And the language here used in this passage is that they brought their offerings, Cain and Abel, to the Lord. How many think we should still bring offerings to the Lord? To the Lord is a vital component of this. If you were to go to the New Testament and read in the fifth chapter of Acts, you read about offering time there. Okay, this is in the church. And you find out that many people were, were giving sacrificially to a great deal. They were given what they had. Some people would sell their lands. They would sell their possessions, houses, and they'd bring them just to take care of the needs of people. And it was a powerful move. I mean, that was going on there. But then we have the instance there with a guy, Ananias, and his wife, Sapphira. All right? And basically, they said, yep, they brought their offering. They said, yeah, we sold this piece of land, and here's the money we got for it. But they were lying. Okay, they sold a piece of land, and they brought part of the money, and they said it's the whole thing. And so they lied there. And, and, and here, here's what was going on. See, when they did that, they think, well, I'm just dealing with Peter here. I'm just dealing with these guys, these apostles. They look like everybody else. They're, they had no respect for them. They said, I'm just bringing my offering before these guys. What they didn't realize was the presence, uh, they didn't recognize was the presence of God. That offerings are not given to people. I mean, they're in, the, they're in the loop there because we don't go to heaven to give an offering. But they're in the loop. But that's not who they were giving to. They were not conscious that their offerings were to the Lord. And that still messes people up today, by the way. People, uh, they, they, get, they get all wrong in their mentality and their thinking and their heart gets, gets messed up in this, these regards because they are so mindful of the natural side of it, of the person that they're dealing with, of the church that they're dealing with, and they are not mindful of and not conscious of God. And this was another deal. That's the first offering we read about in the new covenant and two people died. There's a lot of people dying about dying over the offerings, it seems like, in Scripture. But again, why is it such a big deal? Why do people get so angry? Why, why do people do the wrong thing? They want to make people believe one thing when there's something else. And 
you know, in Acts there it says, you haven't lied to, to me, to men, you've lied to God. And so God was there receiving offerings, apparently, even though, even though they were being received by the apostles, uh, the, the leaders of the church at that time. And so I think it's not a good thing that sometimes people feel like they can, you know, they can just say, complain, they can just say whatever they want about, uh, about ministries, about churches, about 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 ministers and so forth, because they're not mindful of God in the whole process. They just think, it's just this, this person, it's just this organization, it's this, this. And they lose consciousness that these things are of God from the very beginning. How many know we ought not be judging one another on our giving? We ought not be, uh, we're just not involved with that. We're just not involved with casting judgment on someone else and how much they're giving and how much they're not giving. But here's what we should all be conscious of. I am doing whatever I do to the Lord. It is the Lord that is involved with this. You know, someone might say, well, I'm not going to be involved in giving my money to that church. I'm not going to be involved in giving to that building fund or anything. No, but listen, stop that now. It's not about we're giving or not giving to an organization. We're giving to the Lord. To the Lord. Now, I'm not implying by any means that, that, we, that, uh, that we shouldn't be watchful and spirit-led in where our offerings go, to whom they go to, and to what purpose. We should be led of the Spirit. But how many know some individuals, they, they want to blame things on natural things. They say, well, I just don't know what they're doing with this. And I don't trust this. And there's no one on the planet you trust. There's no one doing the work of God that's trustworthy. Sometimes that kind of thinking is just doubt and unbelief exploding in someone and it's just manifesting and explaining in a way because they're concerned about what people think about what they're doing or not doing. Listen, you live and you stand before the Lord. Be conscious of that. That's what matters. But never let this issue and this subject matter be, be something that grips you and causes you to you know, have angst to like they did or, or be angry. Whenever you find yourself getting angry over the subject, there's something wrong in the heart. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? Can we sing a song or something? I don't know. Usually the ones that get most, accept, most upset are doing something. They're either doing nothing or they're doing something like Cain that they know is not right. Cain was doing something, but it wasn't the right thing, and he knew it, and God was giving him a chance to make it right. We'll, we'll come back and maybe cover that more later and explain why it was not right. Uh, but it's usually it's someone going the wrong direction. Um, that, they're the ones that, that get, get upset. Did God respond to Cain and to Abel in regarding this whole subject of, of offerings to the Lord and say, you know what, I don't really care about your stuff. All I care about, you know, are spiritual things. Did, did, the, did the Lord say to them, you know, it doesn't matter what you, what you give here. 
It's just, if you could just sing a song, that would be just as good. Now, the Lord could have said that. He could have explained it by that way. He could have said, you know, all oh, these offerings don't really matter to me anyway. But he didn't say that, did he? He could have. Didn't. So I just believe our offerings are just our praise. Well, that would be part of it. That's certainly, you know, that's scriptural. Bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. That's certainly something that would be accepted by God. But that's not the only thing. The Lord didn't dismiss this and say, ah, whatever you bring is fine. It doesn't really matter. No, one offering was accepted and one was not accepted. Say it's all about the heart though, right? It is, but the heart manifests in certain things. Huh? There are certain things if I gave them to the Lord and offered them and said, Lord, I'm just worshiping you with this, it would not be true. It would not be consistent. It would not, would be, not be right from my heart. And that particular offering would not be acceptable to God because of what it really is to me. Everybody with me now? I don't want to get ahead of myself because I don't have enough time to explain it today. But what we offer to the Lord is a manifestation of what's in us. And if it's not right, it's not accepted. And if it is right, then it is accepted. Someone said, well, I, don't, I just don't think that whole, this whole subject of, of giving things to God, offering something, is really that important. According to whom? I mean, who said it's not important? It certainly wasn't God that ever said that. In fact, if you were to read and, do a, and, and read through the Scriptures, you will find that the subject is dealt with over a thousand times. I mean, if it were just in there five or six times, I'd have to say, oh, that, that matters. But, it, it is, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, this issue, this very thing, is brought up by the Lord in instructing us how to do it properly. What way and how and what and how we should approach Him in regards to things. I think it matters to God. I think it really does. And because it matters to Him, it then must, must matter to me. Because we belong to Him. Amen. How people handle Money and offerings directly reveals where their heart is. Directly. You know Jesus taught that over in Matthew chapter 6. It's written in a couple different places. How where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so that being the case, uh, if this subject isn't important, then the heart is not important. I don't think any of us would say that. Say, no, 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 the Lord doesn't look as man sees. He doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the heart. And the heart is where this comes from. And it's the reason why some, man, they totally miss God and they get all up in arms like Cain. And they get angry and they talk and they hurt and they do things that are, that are wrong. It's because this touches the very core of our being. And I think because of that very issue... It matters to God a whole bunch. Amen. Everybody okay? All right. Anybody coming back next week?